You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback, and get you ready for Monday Night Football between the Texans and the Ravens. Plus, we'll visit with the running back who scored the touchdown to win Super Bowl 51, James White of the Patriots. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Steelers tight end Vance McDonald. Vance, thanks so much for taking the time on your day off. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing well, and we appreciate you joining us. So let's go back to the drama of last night on Sunday Night Football. Thrilling victory for your Steelers over the Packers. What would you take away from that game? Man, just first things first. It's just, I mean, we're just rolling through here, and, and getting three wins here in November is, is really awesome. I mean, we've got a commanding lead here in the AFC North, so it's that's a great feeling going in here to play in the latter part of the season. But last night is just, I mean, in primetime football, as a fan, as part of the Steelers organization, I mean, it just was a great, great win. And Antonio Brown is the greatest receiver of all time. (laughs) He just made some spectacular plays, and it was so fun. It was a great team win, for sure. Vance, there's nothing wrong with saying it. Um, He is considered as one of the best, if not the best in the game, because of how he does it. Um, But give me your take, and, and, and you may not have to give us everything that Coach Mike Tomlin said, but... In a few games you guys had this year, uh, you guys kind of made it closer than what you necessarily needed to. Um, starting out with the Cleveland Browns, of course. Uh, then you get to Chicago. Uh, then Jacksonville, of course, been in that game. And then Indy on the road. What do you guys have to do moving forward, considering you have Cincy? You know, that's a hard game going into Cincy. And Baltimore, they're not afraid to play the Steelers anywhere they play them. And then New England. I know that's down the road, but... You have to start building that type of chemistry and camaraderie in a sense of how you play to allow you to get what you want in the end. What did Coach Mike Tomlin tell you guys in that meeting today? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, it's true for sure. I, I mean, we have been in some close games. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, even stats kind of even talk about two NFL games. I mean, usually are more or less considered uh, decided by one possession. And uh, you know, we've been in some close ones, like you said. Um I think kind of the big takeaway, though, is uh, just the fact that we've been able to finish in those those games, uh, you know, on offense usually most of the time. And it's just, I mean, that's a great feeling being able to go down the field in the control uh, and take over the situation and, and come out with a win. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Coach Tomlin, it's, I mean, football's football. We know how hard it is as players and as the staff, staff that's been together for a while. It is to win in the NFL. Um and we've been doing it at a high level this year. I mean, it kind of sounded like Coach Tomlin saying that, but um, I mean, it really kind of comes down to possession downs. I know he talks about that a lot too. Uh, we did a lot better last night, um, but then again, at the, at the end of the day, man, we have to take care of the ball on offense. And so, you know, we're going into every single game talking about trying to, you know, run the ball well, stop the ball well, or stop the run well, uh, take care of the football, and and we have to win on possession downs. And so. Um, there was a lot of times throughout this season we've been kind of bad on first down, and it's put us in some bad third downs, and we have not converted. So, uh, really, I mean, just at the end of the day, we, we just have to keep playing Steeler football and uh, keep plugging away and, and finish the season on strong and, and go into the playoffs with some a big advantage of having that bye week. 
Taylor's tight end Vance McDonald is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Since Cordell brought up Mike Tomlin, Vance, in an interview with Tony Dungy on NBC last night, your coach was blunt when asked about the Super Bowl, saying the Steelers should win it all. As a player, how much do you like to hear your coach have that kind of public confidence? Because as you know, a lot of coaches would be just dusting off the cliches, taking it one game at a time. Yeah, I mean, Coach Tomlin is, is I mean, he's spectacular. Uh you know, there's a reason the Steelers are as, as reliable and consistent as they are, and I mean, they find guys like him to lead the organization, and and he's just been a blast to to be a part of this year, just be a part of the team. Um, but he is, man, he 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 is well spoken, he and and he does a great job all the time addressing us, addressing the media. Uh, and even too, kind of taking those little cliche moments or talking about kind of big picture Super Bowl appearances. I mean. Again, it's a special game to play in, and it doesn't happen very often. And uh, just got to take care of business, man, and, and we're going to get there and, and have a chance to win it all. So that's just what we're going for. Vance, when looking at you guys' offense, I mean, defense is always going to be stingy when they have to, but offensively, I mean, you guys have so many pieces on the offensive side of the football, starting with obviously Ben and Antonio Brown, and you just don't know which Le'Veon Bell is going to show up next week um, when it comes to running the football. It can, it can give you 80 yards in the game. He can come back and give you almost 200 yards in the game. How good does it feel as a tight end to be able to be a part of that behind Jesse James or beside Jesse James and can get in and be a big part of the success because of everything else that they have around? You end up getting one-on-one matchups against a small linebacker. And before you know, you may end up catching a touchdown or two in a game to, to, to save the days pretty much. How good does it feel to know that you have that type of an offense? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very true, so true. Um, I haven't got to fully explore that. Uh, you know, been with the Steelers for a short while and had a couple bumps along the way. And so, uh, I mean, I'm, that's just one of those things that I'm just going to appreciate more and more as, as more games come and go. Um, but it is, man. I mean, just knowing that, you get a guy that's been back there, you know, doing it for a long time and been and uh, trust him, you know, and and really kind of the big thing is is getting that work with him uh, throughout the week, kind of figuring out exactly what he kind of sees or feels uh, on certain routes and stuff. And so when you have that kind of chemistry and stuff that he develops and takes the time to develop individually with all the guys, I mean, it creates some crazy awesome, like, offensive weapons. And so – I really kind of think that's what it kind of comes down to. I mean, you spend so much time individually with guys, learning guys' strengths and weaknesses, what he want, kind of wants them to do, how they feel this route. And, man, at the end of the day, it's in clutch time, like on that two-minute drive kind of last night. I mean, you see Antonio Brown. I mean, there's, there's subtle things that he does in route running that other guys that team won't necessarily do, and Ben knows exactly those, those things. And so it's just really awesome to be a part of, of – what I think is just legendary, a legendary time for, for Pittsburgh again. And, uh, man, yeah, I just, just want to finish it off strong. There's a season strong in the Super Bowl. Chatting with Steelers tight end Vance McDonald. Vance, football's a team dynamic, but let's talk some more about your individual experience. What's the season been like for you? Trades usually don't happen in the month of August, but you were dealt from the Niners to the Steelers just before the start of the regular season. Yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely a whirlwind. And, um, I mean, just like any transition, it's, it's really rough at first. Uh, don't know anyone on the team and, uh, except Boz, Boswell play with him at Rice. Um, yeah, you're coming into a new environment. I mean, you don't know 
personalities, um, leadership. I mean, it's I mean, it's all brand new. You don't know the building. Uh, I mean, needless to say, you don't know the offense whatsoever. So uh, it's definitely a transition, and so and just gotta embrace it and just dive right in. Uh, and that's what I did. And, and luckily, it was a great organization. You know, we've been talking about it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just it's just a come a come and go thing. I mean, each week you kind of learn something new. Uh, now that I've gotten the offense kind of digested and, and learned that, I mean, it, you're just off to, I mean, different parts. You know, like we're talking about today, my calls, my cleats. You learn about community relations. Learn learning about the player development. Uh, and I mean, there's there's so many things that that kind of all encompass kind of give success to the guys. You know, to us players on and off the field. I mean, it's just. Uh, yeah, just one of those things that I'm learning here in Pittsburgh. But the city, fan base, the team success, I mean, it's just – it's been absolutely amazing. And uh, I just think I'm really fortunate to be to be a part of it, man. That's, and that's how I see it. Well, the good thing is, is you've had an opportunity to be a part of two great organizations, one that's not winning necessarily right now in the San Francisco 49ers, but the history of the organization uh, is pretty darn phenomenal. When you get a chance to be a part of a team like this where – the fans are more passionate than you in some cases. You know, you try to, you know, pick out your spots when you want to really get intense and try to stay focused. But when every time you go somewhere, whether it's a grocery store to the convenience store to just getting some gas and they they figure out who you are, how intense has it been for you now that you've gone from San Fran that was struggling and not having the success to now being in this situation where it's, it's it's pretty crazy. It's black and yellow every single way. The bridges that you cross is yellow, and everything else around it. I mean, it's it's amazing. Tell me how it. Tell us how it is for you. Yeah, it's yeah. That is a big. It's a big transition. I mean, in San Fran, you know, we're down there in the Bay Area, and life is 100 miles an hour. Um, and there's much much more hobbies, business things to focus on besides football. And um, and so, there, yeah, honestly, there really wasn't a lot. I mean. Obviously, around game day and things like that, things that are team-oriented, you're going to see a lot of fans and stuff. But, you know, just day-to-day things, like when you're out and about, not very many people recognizing us. I mean, tech, I mean, they have everything. And so here in Pittsburgh, like you're saying, it's everywhere you look, things are black and yellow. I mean, it's just it's just a, it's a, it's a way of life. And so, um, yeah, man, it's been really neat. You know, I'm in my fifth year now, and so to kind of be able to, to feel that um, – Kind of have that that presence here in, the, in your home city. It's it's a pretty cool deal. But like you're saying, man, that San Francisco is in, is a great organization. I mean, they have their history of Super Bowl teams and you know, five championships, so they're you know, they're they're well established in the NFL world. Um, but yeah, I'm just fortunate to have played for both of them now. Finally, Vance, a very special week with the My Cause, My Cleats campaign. What can you tell us about your cause, the Convoy of Hope? Yeah, so. Um, <clears throat> Convoy Club, my wife and I met them four years ago, randomly, uh, or I guess coincidentally, rather. Um, we uh, we always wanted to kind of go abroad, overseas, and do some, some mission work, whether it was help building schools or, or visiting kids, um, but just kind of kind of visiting and giving to those that are just kind of less fortunate and born into poverty. And so um, we were out there in San Fran, and we got together with, uh, the team chaplain out there and, uh, you know, just kind of told him our idea. said, hey, we want to organize uh, a trip with just teammates and their significant others uh, to just go somewhere, uh, preferably close, and just see what happens. 
And uh, we teamed up with Convoy of Hope, and since then, we, uh, my wife and I and our family have grown pretty close with them. And, and the story of the person who, who started Convoy, Hal Donaldson, has an unbelievable story. And, um, I mean, just hit with a very tragic situation, young with his family and brothers. His dad died from a drunk driver, and um, they were on welfare, very, very poor. And uh, a, a family just randomly stepped up. Uh, one night and took all the kids in when his mom was the only one left and she was in critical condition and uh, brought them to their trailer and showed them just grace and compassion. And uh, that just became a way of life from him uh, from then on. And so he started this company, Convoy of Hope, and they are geared to uh, to helping just just all the poverty and, and this, the sick and hurting and hungry people of the world. And so... They are established in, in children's feedings, women's empowerment, um, uh, farming initiatives and agriculture, as well as disaster relief uh, here in America and overseas, actually, in other countries as well. Um, but they're just an absolutely tremendous organization that, that their goal is to work themselves out of a job by creating, you know, sustaining agricultural and, and third world countries um, and really just kind of changing the way people kind of view the world when they're stripped with disaster and uh, try to kind of bring them uh, kind of a beacon of hope, if you will, um, after, you know, such events. So I know it's been a crazy year with weather, you know, hurricanes specifically here in the Gulf. Uh, my hometown even was hit really, really hard. Um, it's kind of rough going through. Not only I got traded to Pittsburgh, um, but Harvey hit Houston, and my hometown's about an hour from Houston. Um and it's crazy keeping up with the videos and pictures from my family and, and my family actually all all left their homes and evacuated and moved in with my parents, who was one of the, luckily, the, the only ones that didn't get flooded there and went in my hometown. And so, um, you know, they're updating me every single day. Uh, but Convoy Folk it made it a point to, uh, to visit these small, I mean, you have Red Cross and these big organizations that stick in Houston and the major cities and stuff. And Hollywood Hope kind of hits the the outskirts, the, the places that are that are hurting but aren't necessarily on the map, so to speak. Um, and again, I mean, they're, just, they're really just to bring hope to people and just to, to be to show grace and compassion. And it's infectious for my wife and I, and it's something that it's a way of life that we want to live. And so, um, you know, Convoy is huge shout out to them for what they've done for us, but uh, again, just what they're doing for everyone else in the world. And so they're a really great organization. I'm, I'm happy to be able to wear them on my cleats and showcase them and salute them for sure. Sounds like an outstanding organization doing great work that's truly resonated with you and your family. Vance, we really appreciate the visit. Thanks so much for joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you, guys. Y'all take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. It is a touchdown. a touchdown! Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's welcome in Patriots running back James White. James, congratulations on the latest victory yesterday against the Dolphins. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? We are doing well, and we appreciate you taking the time. And I know Coach Belichick doesn't want you or anybody else talking about last year. But it's the holiday season, so maybe one thought about being such an instrumental part in the Super Bowl comeback victory. How did your team keep its composure when you were down 28-3? to I mean, just stuck together as a team. Um, just kept fighting. Um, just continued to believe in the game plan, even though we were down by a lot of points. And I think that just speaks volumes about the type of players that we have. Guys never quit. Speaking of players that you have, you guys just uh, end up grabbing Eric Lee coming from Buffalo. He comes in in the last game, got a few snaps, got four tackles and a sack. What does that say to the coaching staff and how he gets players prepared to go out and play, regardless of what position they play in at any time in the game? Uh, our coaches do a great job preparing us each and every week uh, from all different types of situations. Uh, if a guy comes in at some point during the week, they'll make sure he – gets enough reps or gets in the film room and studies up enough. So if somebody happens to go down or if he needs to go in the game, he's just ready to go, and he was. James, we've had Patriot icons like Willie McGinnis on this program, and they always talk about the Patriot way. I know it's a vague concept, and you're focused on what's happening on the field, but if I say the Patriot way, what does that mean to you? Uh, just guys just do their job, um, put the team first, and work hard no matter what the circumstances are. And I think we have a bunch of guys that do that. Um, I think whenever a new person comes onto our team, it doesn't take long for them to, you know, get get with the program and uh, just really follow the trends that the guys have, you know, set from a long time ago. Tell us about Brandon Cooks. I mean, he comes from out of New Orleans, and he does a really good job there, uh, whether special teams or at the receiver position. But he comes in and seems as if he's the go-to guy for you guys as offense when it comes to throwing the football down the field, not just in option routes, the little five-yard, ten-yard outs. I mean, it's everything. Down the seams, down the shoot versus cover two on the outskirts. Give us a take on how good and how tremendous he's been playing so far for Tom Brady when it comes to catching. Oh, I mean, Brandon, he's a tremendous player and a great person as well. Um, you can tell from first time meeting him, going on the practice field, see how hard he works. He's one of the first guys out there, one of the last guys to get off the field. And he puts the work in each and every week in his shows. And um, he's been doing a great job for us, uh, making big plays each and every week. So def- definitely happy to have him on our team. Patriots running back James White is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. James, what's it like to be part of such a talented core of running backs? Is this a close group in your meeting room? I'm sure it wasn't easy to see LeGarrette Blunt move on to Philadelphia, but the team is still running the ball well. Yeah, we have a great group of guys. Um, we're all we're all cool with each other. Um, I mean, we all know that we're not going to get every snap, and or each week it could be a different guy, you know, getting the most touches or whatever it is. So. Then guys accept the role, and uh, when they get the opportunities, to try and make the most of it. James, some some has a you know they they like to poke and pry at you guys and get you guys to say some things that's off the record just a little bit. And obviously, we know it. It's the way it is because of Coach Bill Belichick. Tell us how serious or how much fun does he ever have? Does he ever smile? You know, does he ever crack a joke in the meet room to the point where you guys can? I don't want to say relax because I'm sure you guys are, but. To the point where you know you can you can somewhat be at ease because from afar it looked like it is 
straight to the core of what it is, what it's not, and you, you want to be on the side of what it is as opposed to what it's not, of course. Oh, I mean, he, he cracks jokes. Uh, I know he, he looks serious most of the time. He, he definitely knows how to have fun, too. But, I mean, when it's, it's time to go and time to get prepared and ready for a football game, it's, it's all seriousness. And like, our, our team knows that. And um, like I said, guys know how to have fun as well. Um, it's not complete 100% all serious, no smiling at all times. Uh, we, we have fun, but when it's time to lock in, we do it. Well, that's connected to what happened yesterday. So Rob Gronkowski had the tremendous celebration with Brandon Cooks. But, of course, when Gronk got to the podium to address the media, he said, you guys aren't allowed to talk about celebration. So is that a topic that's officially off limits, no celebration conversation, even though it's okay and you're not going to be penalized anymore by the league? Yep, just off limits for talking about it. That's pretty, pretty much what it is. Because <laughs> Gronk wanted to talk yesterday, James. Did you see that video? He was trying yeah. and trying, but he kept the secret. Yeah, he, he did a good job up there. He stayed composed. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing listening to you because you like you want to crack a joke right now. You know you got to hold it yourself. Uh, that, that, that's really funny. I uh, had a chance to hang out with Rodney Harrison a few times, and him coming from uh, San Diego, I mean, he was always serious. But he became, I, I don't want to say serious, but he became a little bit more dialed in, as you said, and focused. Is, is that just the way it is from the coaching staff to the players and even the trainers included? Definitely. I think just paying they, so much detail. The guys just trying to pay attention to, trying to get every coaching point, trying to get the, the route depth right or the right protection right, or all the adjustments right. And I think, I mean, guys just really buy into what the coaches say, and I think it helps us a lot. Finally, as I mentioned, very important league initiative going on right now. My cause, my cleats. James, tell us about Best Buddies and why they're important to you. Oh, for me, um, my uncle actually introduced me to them about three years ago, my second year in the league. He worked in the same office as them. And, I mean, I had no idea what Best Buddies was, but uh, my my first time interacting with with them, they kind of gave me the whole spiel on how they – you know, integrate uh, people with intellectual and development, uh, de- developmental disabilities and how they help them get jobs, build friendships with people like kids in high school, NFL players or whatnot, just make, help them feel included because they're just as important to society as, as anybody else. And just really getting involved with that is I just try and do more and more as much as I can because I think it's just such a great cause and they do, they do a great job with it. And my friends in New England tell me Tom Brady's been heavily involved with Best Buddies for years. Okay, so that's my cause. How about my cleats? What are you going to be rocking this weekend? You, you know, I'll, be, I'll be posting them tomorrow probably uh, on my social media. Uh, just some, some Adidas cleats that my, my guy Jeff Rose kind of customized for me. did a pretty good job on them, and uh, I'll probably share them, with, share them with everybody probably tomorrow. Let's be honest. Did Coach Bill Belichick tell you guys to be careful what you put on your shoes? Did he say make sure no, it's not no, too, too no, much? He, did. he, <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> it's for charity after all, Cordell. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, know, you, you yeah. know, every once in a while, some guys' charities, when it comes to design and art, is a little different than others. Right, right. You know Coach Bill Belichick, he's – you know, he's a stickler of making sure you, 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 you represent the brand, of course, there in New England very well. And, and I got to be honest, man, congrats on everything you guys have accomplished so far and everything that you're a part of from a charitable standpoint. And uh, just keep working, man, because truly when listening to it 
after seeing other teams and and how they speak about their teams and, and their own selfish endeavors within the team, uh, it, it's it's refreshing at the same time. As pundits, you know, we want a lot more, but it's still good to hear, man, and, and congrats so far up until this point, and good luck moving forward. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you, James. No problem. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. With more than 30 First Play podcasts on TuneIn, you can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows before they're available anywhere else. Hey there, it's Mike Rowe. This is The Way I Heard It, the only podcast for the curious mind with a short attention span. We're at episode number 83, incredibly. I'm Jack Hitt. And I'm Chinjirai Kumanyika. This is Uncivil. Where we ransack America's history. And discover that the past is never really past. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. And beaming out across all of space and time. This is Star Talk. Where science and pop culture collide. Search First Play Podcasts and listen early, listen often, and listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top stories with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, there's been a lot of criticism of Steve Sarkeesian, year one as the Falcons play caller. What do you think changed yesterday leading to that monster game of better than 250 receiving yards for Julio Jones, or is this an indictment of the Tampa Bay defense? I think it's a little bit of both. Tampa was missing uh, Ernie Hargraves, who was one of their better corners, but the style of defense that Tampa played was susceptible for the deep plays, was susceptible for some throws down the field, but the Falcons had a lot of explosive plays in this ballgame, especially, as Cordell knows, when they played his quarters coverage and they take that inside safety out of it, they had a lot of plays on the outside for a big post or a corner to the left one-on-one on the outside with Julio. And uh, when you listen to Matt and Julio talk after the game, he said they really didn't make any adjustments in the secondary, so they continue to throw him the football. And then the last three games, they've been really good on third down. I think it's like 27 or 41 there you know, a little bit over 65% right now on third down. So they're sustaining some drives. They're they're doing a good job. But when they get the lead, continue to run the football. Uh, I think yesterday when they had the lead, they had over 20 rushes when they had the lead. And when they do that, they end up winning the ball game. So this was a a defense, yeah, that was suffering a little bit on the back end. But they were giving some deep shots. And uh, it's kind of different than what they did at the beginning of the year where these plays were there. They actually made them when they had the opportunity to do that. DJ, when you when you see how this team struggles, let's just say Tampa on the road. I mean, they're one in five on the road now, adding that loss uh, to the L column. Um, this team obviously struggling across the board. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback. You you pretty much know it's feast of famine. Now, this is more of, in my mind, a morale win. But as you look forward into the schedule for this Atlanta Falcons team, we know they played the Saints a couple times. Uh, we know they have a Jets football team, I think, on their schedule, too. Uh, no, they don't. Excuse me. They have the Saints a couple times. Uh, then they also have Minnesota, Tampa, and Carolina. Not in that pecking order. Uh, what do you think they need to do in order to put themselves in position uh, to maybe, let's just say, the Saints recover from that loss? Because that, that was a good loss for, Falcon, for the Falcons uh, organization uh, when it comes down to New Orleans Saints. How do you see this team actually finishing throughout this season? Because they have to beat the Saints twice, I think, to even become a wild card in this division because Carolina's playing great. Yeah, that's the big thing about it. And I think this week 
is just as critical because you're playing a Minnesota team who we all know is playing at a high level. Then the Saints and Carolina, they play each other this this uh, this weekend as well. I think that game is flexed, so it's going to be a primetime game, and that matters in the division because one of those teams are going to go up and uh, the Falcons are still going to be a game and a half or two games back, so they have to continue winning this week, and they can't afford to lose a game uh, this week. And then you got all these division games coming up, and obviously you're talking about playing against the Saints twice, uh, and you play Minnesota, and then you play the Saints on Thursday night. So it's going to be a quick turnaround for the Falcons. I, I really believe uh, you can't go 0-2 in this. You have to at least split in that uh, in that part of the, the season where you got back-to-back games and playing these opponents this late as far as division. It matters the most, and I think you hit the, the nail on the head. Is you got to finish strong if you want to at least be in the wild card because you look at that NFC picture. There's so many teams right there that's seven and four. That's you know right there the, the six and five and all that kind of stuff who could just just jump up. But the good thing for the Falcons is they have four or five of the tiebreakers uh, with NFC teams that's uh, already behind them. That's in that kind of mush area of all the teams around at seven and four, six and five. So we'll we'll see how they finish. But right now they have to finish strong and they have to have a big win this week versus Minnesota. It's a big task. I want to pose this question to DJ Shockley, the multimedia football analyst, not DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback, because I've been telling Cordell for weeks, Saints hadn't beaten anybody. They were lacking a quality win. Yes, I know they went to Carolina week three, but you know Cam Newton wasn't 100% then coming back from the shoulder procedure. So the Saints lose to the Rams yesterday, and you just went through the schedule with a pair of games against New Orleans coming up for the Falcons. Do you think the Falcons win this division? It's going to be tough. It's tough to say now if they're going to win this division because usually the way it goes with the Falcons and the Saints, they usually split. And if you split right now, that gives the Saints the edge if they continue to play the way they're playing. But you talk about the the loss they had yesterday versus the Rams, I think they exposed some things defensively for the Saints. I mean, I think golf threw for three, four, three, 400 yards uh, in, the, in that ball game versus the Saints defense that gave up a bunch of big plays. Uh, we saw Gurley running, had a good game uh, on the ground, and the Falcons were similar to do some of the same stuff. And the Falcons continue on the streak that they're going. Uh, it's going to be tough for the Saints. But on the other end, you got Drew Brees, and he's a guy who's kept you in so many games and played really well. And the Falcons, just this past weekend, lost Desmond Trufant to a concussion. Brian Poole, their starting nickel guy, had a lower back injury. They're hoping he'd come back. But you're looking at the next two weeks without one of your best corners, that doesn't bowl well for the Falcons either. But right now, I would say if it, if it happens the way it happened the last five, six years, it would probably be the Saints division right now. And the Falcons will be fighting for that wild card spot at the end of the year with some of those tiebreakers that they already have. Speaking of the Falcons and, and their defense, uh, of course we know the Saints was injured too on that side of the football. Injuries on both sides of the ball for the Rams and the Saints, so no, really no excuse. They just, Close game, one of those types of games, you know, uh, DJ, that's going to come down to battle of nutrition and who can make the most plays, and obviously the Rams did. But in that secondary of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, is it Neil? How do you pronounce his name? Canoe? How do you pronounce his name? Yanu, like Yanu Reed. Keanu. Keanu Neal. He's a beast. Last week against the Seattle Seahawks, he, he was coming up and, and making some great plays, and then all of a sudden in this last game, he, he was really sticking his head in there and really making some really, really big plays. The physicality yeah. of his defense looks a little different. Tell me about it yeah. when it comes down to what's been the approach as of lately. Well, he's the bell cow for him. He's the uh, the the camp, the camp chancellor of this defense, if, if I should say, because similar to you know what Dan Coyne comes from in Seattle, he wants the guys that look kind of similar to what they had in Seattle. He's that 
down in the box, head hunter type of guy, not afraid to hit guys. I mean, he hit O.J. Howard one time in this game, and he he, he looks bigger than Keanu Neal, but he he definitely just knocked him backwards. So Keanu is one of those guys that does a good job in coverage, and he's always down in the box. He's one of the the guys who would expect him to play a lot, and he's been one of the key components for him. And even last week, there are other safeties. Uh, Ricardo Allen, with guys down, had to go out and play corner. Now, he played corner throughout his entire life. Now he moved to the Pirates and played safety. But they have a bunch of guys who, who can play a lot of different roles. And Keanu Neal is the guy for him that's usually locked in on your best tight end or he's the guy in the box that's going to stop the run. And uh, you talk about physicality, he's the one who's knocked Trufon out of the game and got him concussed. So he's not just doing it to his, <laughs> his own to other teams. He's doing it to his own guys. <laughs> not on purpose, but uh, he's definitely one guy who flies around and, and wants to hit people. Taking you around the league with our pal DJ Shockley. DJ, as we're trying to forecast the MVP conversation, you can slot Carson Wentz, Tom Brady 1-2, however you see it. Where are you putting Russell Wilson in that expanded analysis? Because he had another rushing touchdown yesterday, and he's Seattle's leading rusher this season. Right, and, and that's what makes it so special is when last year he was hurt, and a lot of people saying, okay, Russell Wilson's starting to lose it, but he was injured. That was the reason why he wasn't playing to his ability. And I think it goes back to the old attitude. You take Russell Wilson off this team, where is he out? And I think they're, uh, you know, below 500 team without Russell Wilson. And that that's a big part of when you think about an MVP player. Uh, obviously, it's a team game, but he's a guy who keeps them in every single game. And the fact that your quarterback is your leading rusher, says a lot about your offense and how much it goes through him. I think 85% of their offense goes through Russell Wilson, whether it's in the run game or pass game. You take him off the team, this is not one of those teams that's really good. So I think Russell Wilson is definitely a part of the MB conversation uh, simply because of what he's done and what he's done to keep Seattle relevant, uh, especially this year with what's going on on defense for them. Kansas City has lost five of their last six games, five of their last six. You end up having Kareem Hunt, who actually comes out and gives, what, only, well, let me see, 17 yards rushing in his last game off of 11 rushes, 11 tries. How bad is it? You can even have Alex Smith, who's throwing interceptions. How bad is it for this team? And do you think they can hang on to try to be the best team uh, within this division? I don't know, man. It's what Kansas City has been a train wreck since starting the season on a high note. And you, you thought we talked earlier in the year – we talked about Alex Smith trying to overcome some things. They're talking about Patrick Mahomes coming in, being the guy, and he's kind of resurrected his career. But I think the writing was on the wall when I think, I don't know when it was, early in the year maybe he said that I don't expect to be in a Kansas City, Kansas City Chief uniform the next season. He's kind of already feels like he's checked out a little bit. And I know it's not just Alex Smith. Uh, you mentioned Kareem Hunt, but defensively they haven't been getting it done. They've been a team in the past that's usually been really good on defense, but now – uh, they're six and five, and it's uh, it, it's just not where you thought they would be at the moment. And you know, LA is is playing pretty good. Yeah, obviously, Jared Goff is a, a big time player, but Kansas City has to get it going. Uh, I don't know if it's a quarterback change yet, but uh, Alex Smith has not been what you thought he was, especially when you start the season, especially in this you know this run they've having now with their loss and lost five straight. DJ, as always, we appreciate the information. Enjoy the SEC championship game. Need I ask you for a prediction? It's all dogs, right? Oh, come on, B-Web. You knew that. That's why you even answered it for me. You knew the answer I know what that. time no, it is. No, but it, it, it's going to be a good game, man. I know they got their back out, but uh, I think he'll play. 
he's a guy that you get to this point in the season, you got to shoot it up and go play football. This is the biggest game of the year, and you can rest for a month. So it'll be a good game, though, be well. All right, my man. Enjoy the game, and we'll be chatting with you next Monday on the NFL on TuneIn. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Long count, Matthews got it, wants to throw, looks right, comes middle, throws it is five. Take five, take two, take one, to the end zone, touchdown Detroit Lions. Hi Lions fans, it's me, Tori Petrie. Hey, it's me, Lomas Brown here. We're the hosts of the Tori and Lomas podcast right here on TuneIn. found the angle to the house and the Lions are right back in it. Tune in on Wednesdays as we break down the Lions' last game and preview the game coming up. We'll see you there. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. It's time for my partner now to let loose as we find out who he metaphorically wants to slash. Cordell Stewart earned the nickname of Slash for his sensational versatility on the field, playing quarterback and wide receiver at a very high level. But that moniker also brings another dimension, a competitive edge that won't settle for losing. So if your favorite team is underachieving, Cordell is ready to present solutions. Buckle up your chin strap because a coaching staff and some key players are about to get slashed. Steelers were prohibitive favorites at home last night, matching up against the Packer team, dealing with a lot of issues without Aaron Rodgers still. Credit the tenacity of Green Bay. They made that a tough test for the Steelers to pass, in large part because of what Antonio Brown did sensational once more. Ten grabs, 169 receiving yards, a couple touchdowns, and an amazing catch down the stretch, putting Chris Boswell in position to nail that 53-yard field goal to win it. Still, postgame, Mike Tomlin was telling it like it is. We're probably fortunate, but it's also probably a good sign of the group in terms of we're a good enough team to kind of overcome those things. We got enough togetherness um, and things to, to, to stay on task. But obviously, we got to minimize some of those things. Some of those things have been issues for us in multiple games, you know, particularly like the big plays of late. Um, so obviously, that's got to stop yesterday. Um, we'll work at it, uh, but we'll work being 9 and 2, and that's a beautiful thing. Cordell, a reminder, Pittsburgh heading into that game last night, second in all of football and points allowed, just under 17 points a game and yardage. That defense did not look that formidable on Sunday Night Football. Where do you want to start with your takeaways? Well, here's the thing. While Coach Tomlin did sum it up and, and say, I think, the, the truth of the matter in all of this, uh, regardless of how much we can nitpick and pull from, the end result is the most important thing. But the Steelers aren't playing for just winning one game. They're playing to get themselves prepared to play on the 15th against a team like the New England Patriots, which we know they have before that game. Uh, they have two games. They play against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals as well as the Baltimore Ravens. And then they have on the 17th of December, they have to play against the New England Patriots at a 425 game. Uh, is that you don't want to have those types of hiccups, let's just say that, big plays. We know this is a blitz team that's trying to cover up some of the deficiencies when it comes to coverage in the secondary. What do you do? You end up blitzing and you end up bringing the house, but yet you end up causing yourself to become vulnerable when it comes down to the screens. That what we end up, that's what we end up seeing from the Green Bay Packers. But my issue I have here is mostly overall is that the Steelers have a tendency to play up and down to their opponent. You know, whether it be starting off with the Cleveland Browns, 
that was a tough fought game that end up they end up winning actually on the road 21 to 18 against that football team. They went into overtime in Chicago. They end up losing to a Chicago Bears team, which they had at that time at the starting quarterback position, Mike Glennon. And now we've seen them play with Mitchell Trubisky. Still the same end result in the end, which is not playing necessarily good football. Ben Roethlisberger had one of his worst games of his career playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars, throwing five interceptions, end up losing that game 30-9. to They end up winning, but they went on the road to the Indianapolis Colts, and that became a closer game than most expected when you look at how they played. We saw this Indianapolis team play against the Tennessee Titans, and the Tennessee Titans squeak that one out, but Indy does play well at home. But if this team wants to be considered as one of the best team, if not the best team in the AFC, they need to clean this up because when you play against teams like that and you allow games to be close, you end up losing a few. They almost lost to Indy, which I think was probably the latest game that they actually end up playing against uh, someone that was really good. And then also we saw last night what happened when they played against the Green Bay Packers, came down to a field goal. Phenomenal catch by Antonio Brown with the tap toe or the tippy toe, the two-stepper. He catches at the highest point. He keeps his arms arm stable. He doesn't get anxious and pulls it in and it caused the ball to move just a little bit. He ended up catching it, ended up coming down to a 50, correct me if I'm wrong, 57? 53, 53 field goal. 5-3. 5-3, uh, which tied the, the longest field goal there at Heinz Field in its uh, existence going back to 2001, which was the time I actually played uh, in that stadium and we went to the AFC Championship game. But... That's a big field goal that was made by this football team. It's almost like when the field goal was made, it was like there should be more to be played, some more football, because it wasn't a clean win. But, hey, when you win and you get it and it comes, it comes like that, you run off into the sunset, and as Coach Mike Tomlin mentioned, um, he'll walk away with being 9-2 and two and having to coach his football team. But I still slash this Pittsburgh Steelers football team because teams that they're supposed to beat and, and just clean them out, they actually struggle against them and playing against the Baltimore Ravens, playing against the Cincinnati Bengals over the next couple weeks in division games, two tough games because it's never easy to play Cincinnati on the road and also Baltimore coming into Pittsburgh playing at Hinesville. Hines Field is not afraid to come in and play the way they need to to try to get a win because they're trending in the right direction as well. And then all of a sudden they have New England. So they have their hands full, but I am going to slash this team because for some reason they can't close the deal when they're supposed to. But do you think it's really going to matter? Because think about what Mike Tomlin said last night in that long sit-down with Tony Dungy pregame show, Football Night America on NBC. Cordell Tomlin's already talking about the Super Bowl, saying bluntly, yeah, this team should win it all. So I'm with you. I'd like to see more consistency. We're not going to do our power rankings until Wednesday. They're going to be in our top five. I don't see a major flaw. So, so long as they win these games, what's the issue if there's no style points along the way? Well, when you make when you make that statement that you're trying to win a championship, now you put a bullseye on your back. And I saw the interview uh, mentioning, uh, yes, you think this team is ready to play in, in, in the Super Bowl because of the talent they have on the roster. And I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Offensively, arguably the most talent on the offense of any team in the National Football League. That's from that's Philadelphia, that's everyone. I mean, the receiving core that they have on this football team is second to none. Le'Veon Bell, with his running capability, second to none. The tight end and, and Jesse James, we saw him drop a crossing route, probably felt or heard the footsteps of the safety coming down his back uh, in, in, on the crossing route, but and his defense is coming around. I mean, they, they gave up a lot yesterday. 
something that they needed to see in a victory. Of course, you don't want to see that film or watch that film on today uh, with the loss, but with those screens and, and, and guys not being in position safety-wise, being in areas where they need to be uh, to be able to come up and make those plays, uh, that that I won't say it's uncharacteristic, but it's undisciplined. Let's use that word, undisciplined, when it comes down to it. And again, if they're trying to play for a championship, some of these issues they have, now you have to clean up those issues along with the other normal issues that you have in games when actually uh, not being disciplined, uh, not playing your keys properly, not having your head on the right side of the football or the right side of the offensive lineman or the right side of the defensive lineman when certain plays are called, uh, throwing the ball in double coverage. You know, those kinds of things that you see that aren't clean, opposite of what we see of New England, because that that's the team that I think as we look, look forward to, I think as we all look forward to, thinking that Cincinnati and also Baltimore may not be pushovers. Great games leading up to this New England Patriots game on October, on the December 17th. Uh, we're looking forward to it's going to be tough games but that's a game we're looking forward to they have to clean up some of these deficiencies that's taking place because you know and I know ever since we played them in 1990 uh, let me say 97 when was the last time we actually beat them in the old Foxborough Stadium as well as playing them I think in the postseason um, this was a team uh, that was beatable but ever since then They've had the Pittsburgh Steelers number, even going back to when I was there in the AFC Championship game in 2001 in Hinesville. Ben Roethlisberger hadn't had him too much fun, or statistically, his numbers have been pretty bad across the board, whether it's interceptions, whether it's completion percentage, whether it's QB ratings, whether it's wins and losses. He's been in an L category for the most part. So they have to clean up everything that they need to clean up. Getting ready for that game is not just about that game, but knowing that they're around the corner forces you to have a focus, I think, uh, that has to be dialed in about as good as it gets because that team right there, they look for those deficiencies. They play to those deficiencies, and they force you to have to play some of the best football that you can play as if it is the last game that you're playing in the season, like it's a Super Bowl. So I would say, while, yes, that conversation for Coach Mike Tomlin is great, that, hey, I love to coach from a 9-2 position, knowing that we have the talent we have and we have the time that we do have to get it right, you had, you better get prepared because if everything won't end against New England or these next two teams, but you don't want it to come down to that type of conversation to where it's like, see, Cordell, I told you so. See, Brian, I told you so. Because after that, then they have Houston and then Cleveland, and then they start their playoff run. So I think these next three games are going to be great testers for the Steelers uh, to the point where they have to clean up some of those deficiencies. But you know what? They have to play up every week and cause teams that have to play up to their skill set because my brother always told me, if you play to the level of your talent that you're playing against and they're not good football teams and you barely win, that means you're average football team. I don't want to be the one to say it, but they have to play up to every team every single week and not play down to teams like the Green Bay Packers, down to teams like in my mind, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Indianapolis Colts, and also teams like the Cleveland Browns and the Chicago Bears. And that's what they've done, and they've struggled against those football teams. Would help if they could get healthier in the secondary, unclear where Joe Hayden is coming back from the leg issue. One final footnote, one could argue the Steelers are actually more disciplined than a year ago because we're not talking about Antonio Brown on Facebook Live. We're not talking about Le'Veon Bell being suspended. Martavis Bryant showed up last night. There was a sighting. So comparatively, Pittsburgh actually playing with a little bit more discipline in those key areas. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. Monday edition of NFL No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Cordell, we discussed it earlier, but the audience is always changing, and this is... 
Radio Gold. Literally, like a gold chain. What in the world was going on between Akib Talib and Michael Crabtree? Had you see round two of that encounter last night, Eastern Time, in the San Francisco Bay Area? Well, I, I tell you what, um, when looking at how this game was unfolded and, and, and how actually uh, things were happening, I, I saw Akib, Akib Talib uh, be the player that he is, one that's willing to be a gnat. Uh, one that's willing to be agitating. Uh, but at the same time, I think what's really most important is Michael Crabtree. Uh, he got out of character, uh, let's just say completely. Um, when you really look at this football team and you ask yourself the question, do they have the rights? Do they have the, the capabilities? Do they have, even though they won the football game, Michael Crabtree getting, re- getting ejected out of that football game could have hurt this football team. A key to lead end up leaving and you end up bringing in a, a, a rookie like a Brandon Langley, a Brendan Langley. Uh, you end up bringing in the rookie to come in and fill it for him. What happened at the end of that football game, which end up causing this Raiders team to win a key to leave. I call him the change snatcher last year in the last game they played against the Denver Broncos. He snatched his chain. It's almost like he's bullying Michael Crabtree in the altercations that this football team normally has when it comes down to, what you need him to do, what him need him not to do. I just think Michael Crabb, I think Akeem Tlaib, you know, it, 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 he brings along everything that indicates, in my mind, honestly, um, that he needs to change his ways because if he doesn't, someone's going to get hurt, uh, you know, and it's going to be something that's going to become extremely personal. So, I, I, you know what, and, and it makes Vance Joseph look bad, the new head coach for the Denver Broncos. And I think because of this behavior, you're going back to what John Elway mentioned, that this team is getting soft. You go back to the changing of the gods at the quarterback position. Uh, you go back to uh, the, the lack of blocking by the offensive line, whether it's in the running game or even the passing game in the defense, not being able to make stops like you expect them to. Uh, you're going to end up seeing a football team, to be honest with you, um, that's going to lose a lot of coaches, um, and, and it's going to force their hand when it comes down to how they actually look at this roster. So for me, I know it looked like it's just about uh, Michael Crabtree, but I think it's the mentality of, of this team, but most importantly, of a keep to lead. You can't do this because now you put everything in your hands to what could potentially happen to this football team and who end up having to defend a, a big play at the very end of that football game. It was Brendan Langley. He couldn't make the tackle when he needed to, and if he could have, they couldn't have gotten a good field position that helped them go on and win this football game. So for me, I, I look at this and say, you know what? I would like to even slash Vance Joseph. I put Vance Joseph in the key to leaving this because he has to get a grasp on this. Because then all of a sudden you see Trevor Simeon comes in and he plays some darn good football, actually putting his team in position uh, to help them have a chance to win this football game, but couldn't pull it out. So I, I just look at this and say, you know, this team is dysfunctional. They're going in the wrong direction. This is not a good look as Vance Jason, as Vance Joseph said, it's not negotiable. And it's unacceptable when it comes to the behavior of the veteran player in cornerback and one of the leaders on this defense, Akeem Talib, the chain snatcher. So he's been slashed by me. Metaphorically, because Akeem's a bad dude, Cordell. 
He's a rough customer. I don't want Akeem to get this secondhand that anyone is taking shots at Mr. Tlaib. That's what I call him, Mr. Tlaib. Well, you so, call him Mr. Tlaib. Mr. Tlaib, if we see you day. on Radio this Row in Minnesota. Day that he's crazy. I didn't say any of those things. I am a big fan personally and professionally of Mr. Tlaib. If Mr. we Tlaib, see you at huh? the Super Bowl, I will hey, shake your hand and say, Akeem, job well done. Akeem, he wears chains, by the way. I just want you to know that. I'm he Minnesota. wears a chain. I'm leaving so those when at you home. come to Minnesota, Akeem, you have every right to snatch it. Because trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you what he said, or you just want to snatch his chain. Which one you want? I suggest snatch his chain because we got to keep our show going. Yeah, and I'm not going to respond like Michael Crabtree. I will lay down and say, whatever you want, Mr. Oh, Tlaib. Man. You're a bad individual. Yeah, bad, and, and, bad and trust man. Trust me, if he says that, you snatch his chain again because he just called you bad. That's not a good No, bad meaning bad, bad not bad meaning good. Taking you back in the old days of Run DMC. Akeem Tlaib, you've been slashed by me, bro. Okay, by Cordell uh, you, Stewart, you, you, you Brian Weber the chain. is oh, a I huge fan of Akeem Tlaib. Yes. Massive fan. Well, I mean, hey, look, it, this, this, this segment is about coaches and players who are not doing their job. And to me, that cost the football team yesterday. Akeem Tlaib's action cost the football team. So it's that, I mean, he knows it. He's getting, a, he, trust me, he's getting a tongue lashing from Vance Joseph. And I'm more than sure from John Elway. He can't do it. We don't have to sit up here and baby babysit that conversation. He goes out and snatch a man's chain and then get thrown out of a football game. What is this about? Is this about being a chain snatcher? Is this about staying on the football field? I think it's about staying on the football field. And because he got off the football field, I think it's a big reason why this team lost. One of the better defensive players on the team. Play came off, got off the football field. You saw Trevor Simeon come in out of nowhere and play really good. Something that we didn't see from him all year. So all of a sudden now you mix that with a, a, a batch of chain snatching, then what do you have? You have an L. You have an L. And so I, I, I just said at the end of the day, yes, Akeem Tlaib, you've been slashed. Not you, Period. By Cordell Stewart, Brian Weber's a big fan. Let me and get you Brian to Weber Oakland. as well. He's a part of it. Weber 2Bs has nothing to do with slashing he's, he's people. So, he's such a scary guy. He talk, uh, when he when I'm matching strong. up with Akeem Tlaib, Akeem Tlaib <laughs> is undefeated. Let me get you to Oakland, Cordell. <laughs> Five and six now, and you're going to scoff when I'm telling you, a la Jim Mora Sr. Raiders are going to the playoffs. Yeah, I said it. Look at the schedule, Cordell. They're hosting the Giants. They're going to win that game. They go to Kansas City. Kansas City's in free fall. Then they host the Cowboys without Ezekiel Elliott. Write it down. Oakland is winning the next three consecutive games, and we're going to have real talk in mid-December about the silver and black going to the playoffs. All I know is, is you have a Chargers team that's trending in the right direction right now. You have a Chargers team. I, 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 we, I, I say this all the time. I don't care what goes on right now. This is the second best team in this division. And who do they have left on the schedule come December 31st? This team right now over the last couple weeks, over the last, let's just say, seven weeks total, They've won five and lost two games. Of seven games, they've won five. And right now, who they have next on their schedule, they went on the road. They actually uh, beat Buffalo at home. They went on the road and beat a Dallas Cowboys. I don't care if they don't have Ezekiel Elliott. I don't give a hoot. That's a win. That's a morale win. And they won it convincingly. You have, Malcolm, you have Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa coming off the edge and squeezing the pocket down to force Dak Prescott to be able to throw the football. And this is a team that I've chose to win that division. But I'll say it right now, they're struggling. They have to win five of the next six games in order to have any hope. Oh, no. Dallas is dead. Why don't you any slash yourself? Dallas any is hope. dead. Dallas is any not hope. going anywhere. 
Yeah, I hear you. Just like you said, uh, my guy, Case Keenum. Oh, we'll talk we about that in a minute. I'm not going to give you a dose of that one right now. I'll save you when it comes down to what I've heard you say before. Because Case Keenum is not the, supposed to be in a National Football League. But let me let me savor that energy right now because it belongs mm. totally for that guy. Case closed. Let's move on to the next one. But as I said before, they have the Cleveland Browns up next. And they have Cleveland coming home. Yes. And then all of a sudden they have the Washington Redskins. Uh-huh. They have them coming at home. And then they travel to Kansas City. What have they done? They lost five of the last six. Out of the last six games, they lost five. So that's three wins I'm looking at for the Chargers. And what does that make that team right now? That makes them eight and six because they're out at five and six. And they have to play the Jets. We don't know what they're going to do. That may be a tough one. It may come down to the last game of the season. I told you this two weeks ago. Uh-huh. Keep your eyes on the Chargers. You like to drink the Kool-Aid so, so quick to where you end up having to choke. Because no, 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 I have to because I've seen the Charger movie before. It could yeah, be winner take I, all, I, Oakland uh, at the uh, L.A. Chargers, yeah, yeah. regular season finale, yeah. and I'm riding okay. with Derek Carr in the silver okay. and black. Yeah, I, I, I like that. That sounds good. But let me tell you something. I like, I like when you ride, when you jump on something real quick. You, you're, you're quick. You move quick. You're spontaneous with your movement. And you, you, 99.9% of the time, you, you choke when you go to those, those positions because you lose. I don't, but let stutter. me tell you something. I'm doing just fine. Oh, yeah, you know you're not. No, trust I'm me, you're happy not. How about, how, how about Giants are doing right now? Booming, but it's your how, segment. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it is. How are those Giants first, but how are those Giants doing right My now? My Giants? Yeah. I don't know what right. you're talking so about. So, as Keep I said, here. Yeah. it's going to come down to the Oakland game. That's my prediction, that it's going to come down to the Oakland game, and they have to Oakland have to go to the StubHub Stadium. Oh, what an intimidating venue. How can they handle oh, a crowd you know of 25,000 people at Melvin a soccer Ingram stadium? And Joey Bosa. That's what's intimidating. If these two players can stay healthy, this team may run the table. This team may run the table. I've watched this, I've watched this before. See, you're going off the Chargers in its history. I'm going off of momentum in what I see right now. And what I see right now, you have the Cleveland Browns who's struggling. I mean, you, you, you look at that. Yeah, I mean, you, you have Kaiser and, and the head coach trying to figure out how in the hell they're going to get their first win. You know, they're, they're having this meeting of the minds on the sideline, like it's some, some new type conversation, like it's a reunion of some sort. But then you come back, and then you look at the Washington Redskins. They're, they're just confused. They're, they're, they're confused. They're lost. They don't know what the heck they want to do, what's going on. Kansas City Chiefs. Alex Smith, come on, buddy. I would love to root for you, but you're not giving me an opportunity to do so because you're screwing, you're throwing interceptions. You got two guys trying to catch a screen at the same time. Then you have the Jets, and then you have Oakland. Oakland, who do they have on the horizon? I just gave you the schedule. schedule. They're going to beat the Giants. They're going to beat the Chiefs. They're going to beat the Cowboys. There's no guarantee they're going to beat the Giants. What? There's no guarantee they're going to be the Giants. Did you watch the Giants on Thanksgiving night hey, in our nation's capital? I watched capital. them all year. They've done some stuff that's uncharacteristic. This may be an even uh, more uncharacteristic win. You got for this swamp team. fever during your vacation. We got two you. minutes I, I know, left. But I know you've been you, you're, you're in a matrix right now. You need oh, a vacation too. I've been here every day. You're saying so that I, Oakland's going to win my that division. Opinions I don't are crystallized. That. We have two minutes left. I want you to take a victory lap when it comes to your guy, Case Keenum. I don't, I don't. You know what? I don't need you to pander. I don't need you to pander around me. I don't There's need you no to pander. Right I am setting I you, you up like a point guard. Shh, listen. Shh. You know what time it is. I need some noise in the background here. You know exactly what. The, shh, listen. One more time. Shh. Listen. One more time. Who's that? Oh, hold on, hold on. It's Case Keenum. I, I, I it's. In the case of the Minnesota Vikings, and I have a case for you. Case closed. This guy right now is playing some of the best football. And I'm slashing you and everyone. You know what? Peter Key 
get slashed. You know, Charles Davis was the smartest. Peter King, yeah, he's coming. He's going to be on our show. I mean, you know, I'm going to slash him when I talk to him, too, by the way. Just because I know it's Peter King. I know he's with MMQB.com. I get all that great stuff. But you know what? Let me tell you something. All of you, all of you sat here and said Case Keenum is not going to start because Teddy Bridgewater is getting reps. Well, he has to get reps. Who's on IR? Sam Bradford's on IR. My guy, Sam Bradford, the guy who had my poster in his room. He played for Oklahoma, that kid. Bone Bruce. ACL, you thought Case Keenum, you thought Teddy Bridgewater should come in and play because he's going to get him to a Super Bowl. Well, let me tell you something. Did you see that travel game they had against the Detroit Lions, a team that normally plays well in the fourth quarter? Who got the first two touchdowns? It was a pass by who? Case Keenum. And he also did what? He ran a touchdown. Who was it? Case Keenum. I, I just know you hate hearing that right now, Brian Webb. I know you hate it. I know you hate it. You're quiet. I love when you're quiet. That means you're, you're digesting it all right now. You're probably drinking your Diet Coke on the other end. I can't look because I'm not looking at you. I just want you to understand, the guy you said was supposed to be out of the National Football League is playing some of the best football in the National Football League right now. When it comes to QBR versus pressure, when it comes to QBR in general, he's in the top 10 all day long. And what does that tell you? This defense is playing great. The running game is phenomenal. Thielen is just a man. He, I mean, because he's bad. He's bad. That's when you mention bad. Bad as in good. Not a keep to leave like you said he was bad. Bad as in bad. Are we talking about bad as in good with Thielen? This guy right here runs a four. I didn't know it. He ran a four, four, and a 40. That's almost faster than you, Brian Weber. That's faster than you. You're a quick guy. You're quick with the tongue, but he's faster. Let me tell you something. Keep on climbing around with Case Keenum if you want to. As, Teddy, as, as Terry Bradshaw said, Case close. Back to you. Okay, man. You should take more time off. I don't need I any like time off. I say it every day. You just don't hear me. Do I think it. since I've been gone, I think you finally appreciate it now. Case Keenum. All right. In the case of the Minnesota have- Vikings, the case closed. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. This is Jay Connor. And this is Alex Hardy. And we're the co-hosts of The Extraordinary Negroes. Each week we talk about relevant issues within our community. Stuff like entrepreneurship, parenthood, mental health. And the latest shenanigans. With some of your favorite media personalities. But we make it a point to infuse humor. And colorful language. In order to make these often heavy subjects as relatable as possible. Because who says you can't be informative and entertaining? So check us out every week here on TuneIn. For your weekly dose of humor, insight, and colorful language. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to go on the record, letting you know what we are more than sure is going to happen on Monday Night Football. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Let's start by hearing from the head coach of the Texans, Bill O'Brien, weighing in on playing on Monday night. Monday night's a big deal. You know, it's been a big deal since, you know, since we were all kids. I mean, it's it's the only game in town, you know, so uh, it's it's big. And, you know, you, you've got, uh, you know, a lot of guys in that locker room that, that uh, take a lot of pride in playing. And, and uh, Monday night they get to, you know, showcase it. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's big for all of us. Well, we got two and a half minutes left. Four and six, Houston on the road at five and five. Baltimore, how do you see this game tonight? Well, I'm going, I think the Baltimore Ravens is going to prevail in this one. I mean, here's a team right now. If they can get this win uh, based on the records in the AFC, uh, if they get this win tonight over the Texans, 
they end up jumping ahead of Buffalo far as the wild card spot is concerned. And of course, we know the Texans, in order to stay on track to going into the postseason, they need to get this win. I'm going with Baltimore, uh, a team that I think is more primed. They're playing at home. I don't think Tom Savage can handle it. Uh, Danny Woodhead, he's healthy. Uh, he's full. He's full board. Got some playing time last week, but he's full board now. Um, I see this team bouncing back. Uh, T. Sizzle, I think he know this is somewhat his last hurrah. It's coming down to the end of it. They're hot. They're sizzling. They're playing good right now. Um, I think this is a team that needs the win, and I think they're going to get the win. I think they're going to win this game 27-14. How much confidence do you have in Joe Flacco in primetime? Oh, big time. I mean, Joe Flacco, when it comes down to the bright lights, he plays some of the best football when it comes down to the bright lights. So I, I like Joe Flacco in primetime. And I think right now with players getting healthier, his team getting healthier, I like Joe Flacco with what he has. He has a running game that's in play. He has Macklin that's playing well. Um, that's being a part of everything that he get, that he can actually do when it comes down to what he needs to get done. I like this team, this team and the purple and gold there. It's just, what is it, purple? What is it, purple and gold? Yeah, you black, purple them, and yes. gold, whatever colors right. you want to call it. You know what? They almost look like the other team uh, in the north, north, uh, uh, north, the northern part of the country in Minnesota. But I won't go Blow there because this horn. is about the Baltimore Blow Ravens. That I'm horn. going with the Ravens. I'm going with the Ravens. This is about the Ravens. This is the only Ravens. I don't think the analysis has to be that sophisticated. Tom Savage is challenged. We'll put it that way. Not a good matchup for Houston on the road. They're going to lose this football game. Baltimore is going to win it 28-17. And then tomorrow, Cordell, because you are wiser than I am, I'm going to ask you, give me the playoff scenarios with wild cards in the AFC. Not today. Sleep on it. Rest up. Get the vocal cords going because I know it expends a lot of energy every time you go. Case Keenum. I can't even do it. Have a great night. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Back with you tomorrow right here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.